thanksgiving or thanks living flows out of you. And today I'm excited about this message because it's about the gospel. And it's about if we have nothing else to be thankful for, this is the thing to be thankful for. Because there's nobody in this room that is untouched by the grace of God, right? Every one of us in here today have a point in our life where we recognize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, right? If it wasn't for His grace. So, so today we're talking about how to be thankful or why we would be thankful for the greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of salvation, the gift that Christ gave to us when He came and paid the price for our sins. So, so that is the premise of what we're talking about today, the fact that He brings redemption, salvation, uh, freedom from bondage, living, uh, giving us the ability to live a life in abundance. So, so that's what we're talking about today, and I hope by the time you leave here today, there will be something that will resonate in your heart that allows you to understand just how great the gift of salvation is, just how significant it is in your life. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, I like this last line, overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. There's a common denominator that, that, that brings us all, no matter where you come from, no matter what your lineage is, no matter what your nationality is, no matter what your gender is, there is this common ground that we all share, and that is, you ready for this? We're all sinners, right? We all are sinners. Every person needs a Savior. Every person needs redemption. Why is that? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about that, and why would I say that we're all sinners? So, Paul was writing to the Romans, and he makes, a, he makes a statement in Romans chapter 3. He says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And I'll just give you a little explanation here. We don't really refer to Jews and Gentiles much anymore, but in the day that this was written by the person that wrote this, there was such a significance between being a Jew and being a Gentile. It was everything. If you were not a Jew, they believed you were second-class citizen to the rest of the world, and you had no hope of redemption. You were pretty much cursed. You were born a Gentile. Stinks to be you, right? So there was such a, that statement sounds trite to us today, but if there was ever people that were steeped in uh, racial division, it was the Jewish race. They were very, very, uh, we're great, you're not. <laughs> and, and it came from a place of a covenant that God made with Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years before this time. But because of that, there was a division there, right? And so when Paul's writing and he says there's no difference between a Jew and a Gentile, that was like a major jaw-dropping moment for many people to hear a Jew of Paul's stature say that. But he goes on to say the explanation for this. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it doesn't matter if you, you know, if your great-granddaddy was a pastor and your granddaddy was a pastor and you were raised in church and you, you know, you, what? it doesn't matter. Paul's saying everybody has sinned. The great common factor that we all share, no matter how good you think you are, we all come to God with the same approach and that is we need Him badly, <laughs> right? The psalmist David, in one of his writings, said, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In other words, he recognized once he took his first breath, 
He needed a redeemer. He needed a savior. From the day, day one in his life, he recognized, I need a savior. So we know we all come from issues and, and, and problems and, and uh, struggles, and, and we know that we need salvation. We know that we're hopeless without a redeemer because there's no way for us to save ourselves. But fortunately, fortunately, the story does not end there, right? God sent his son to die so that you and I could be redeemed, so that we could be bought back. Because he knew there was a great curse that came on mankind when sin entered in the world. And we were divided, separated from him. And so he put a plan in motion. The Bible says from the foundation of the earth, he put a plan in motion so that he could buy us back. So when we around here talk about our main goal in this, uh, this community is to help people know Christ, this is why. Because this is the answer to all mankind's woes, knowing Jesus, right? Because we cannot save ourselves on our own. And there's a price for redemption. It did not come free at all. How many know that freedom is not free, right? It, it costs something. In fact, the scripture tells us and teaches that there is no remission for sin without the shedding of blood. Back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we talked about that last month, the Old Testament, right? They had to actually offer sacrifices in order to have their sins covered over. But when Jesus came and paid the ultimate price, he gave us hope so that our sins could be removed. Well, amen, somebody. Right? This is hope. And so because he came, paid the ultimate price, we can sit here today free from the bondage of sin. And I don't know about you, but it's pretty awesome to know that something that I could not do for myself, I have a God that is willing to do that for me, to give me a better option. I don't have to die in my sin. I can be liberated from that. I don't have to die in my addiction, my vice, and the thing that controls me. No, He offers freedom from those things. That is pretty amazing, right? Because He came and gave Himself so that you and I could be free. I want to read a passage of several verses here in Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse number 9. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lived in a bodily form. So in other words, the greatness and majesty of God was wrapped up in the fleshly form of Jesus Christ. And in Christ we have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In other words, there is nothing in the world that outranks our Creator. He created it all. It doesn't matter how much, uh, how powerful somebody is. It doesn't matter how powerful our enemy is. There is nothing that is more powerful than our Redeemer. Well, at least somebody believes it, right? That's pretty amazing. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins. This is a pretty powerful statement. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. In the Old Testament... The covenant that God made with Abraham required circumcision to identify an outward uh, physical representation of a covenant that the Jewish race took. Well, when Christ came, everything changed from just physical outward appearances to things that happened in the heart, right? Things that happened inside. So when he talks about this uncircumcision of the flesh, what he's talking about is the thing that separates us from a sinful life. So when he, we read this, when you were dead in your sins, when you were separated from Christ, it refers to that original covenant. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us 
all our sins. This is amazing. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let me tell you something. What that statement was just saying there is it doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter how awful your life may have become. It doesn't matter how great you may be. When you come to Christ, his forgiveness is able to cover you no matter what you've done. He's the, the accuser that stands saying this person's a sinner, he says, I don't have to listen to you anymore because I made the choice to buy that one back. That's pretty amazing. Salvation. There is nothing greater than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, church gets fancy and church gets complicated. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. The Bible's thick. It's got a lot of verses in it. But let me tell you something. If we don't preach anything else around here, this is the message. Because we are here so that people can find Jesus, right? So that people can come to know Christ. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that why we exist? To help people find Jesus? That's what the beauty of this message is about. And I'm thankful for salvation. I want to tell you a story that was written at the time of Jesus was here. It's found in Luke chapter 7. And I recommend you go back and read it today. Use your version. Look up Luke chapter 7 and read this story. It's, it's fascinating. Jesus was invited to dinner by a, a very religious person. He was a leader of the religious sect called the Pharisees. And so this guy, you know, I don't know what his motive was, but he decided to bring Jesus over for dinner. And I guess back in those days, it was very different than bringing a dinner guest over now. They, Jesus had 12 guys that went with him, and there was 500 people that followed him around everywhere. So there was like always a crowd around Jesus. So when Jesus comes to this guy's house, it's a packed place, right? There are people everywhere, people outside looking through the windows. It's just there's a lot of attention because Jesus was at this Pharisee's house. And so they're sitting there, they're having dinner, and through the crowd comes a woman who makes her way. I don't, and, and, and you got to understand, in those days, I'm quite confident that there was no woman just hanging out in, amongst the, uh, the men, right? There was a definite separation and, and segregation between the male and the female in this era. So this woman manages to fish her way into the crowd, and she finds herself at Jesus' feet on her knees. Very, very awkward moment in that day and age. Well, it'd be awkward in this day and age, but... <laughs> so she's at his feet. She's crying tears on his feet. And the funny thing is, when you read the story, right, it doesn't really... It, 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 it kind of the, the awkwardness kind of ekes out of the pages because everybody's sitting around the table. What's this lady doing? Uh, she's just she's crying at, at, this, at Jesus' feet. This is just really weird. She's got... Uh, ointment, and she's putting ointment on his feet, and she's ripe, wiping his feet with her hair. This is just, has gone from weird to like really weird. Like this is awkward. And what's, what's amazing about this is, is Simon is the guy, the host. He's the guy that invited Jesus to dinner. And I love how Luke captures this. It says that, that Simon is thinking to himself, okay, so this Jesus guy must not be all he's cracked up to be because he doesn't even realize what kind of woman this is that's, that's you know, weeping. Apparently, this woman was a prostitute. And not only was she a woman in a man's world, but she was one of them kind of women in a man's world. And at a dinner table of a religion, it just the whole thing was just messed up. It was Jerry Springer Bible days. <laughs> like, it was just weird. And... And so, 
it's just amazing because Jesus is sitting there, right, just allowing this awkward moment to just percolate. It's where he lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? That awkward moment when you're, you, know, you're, you really know you've got to share your story. Right? What God's done for you and that awkward moment where I don't know if this guy, what are they going to think when I say, right? And Jesus just lives in those awkward moments. Because that's when we come to the end of ourselves, right? And we let him say, okay, you drive now. I'm just going to let, right? That's what's happening, right? He's just letting this awkward moment fester. And, and the Bible says he kind of, he picked up, he perceived Simon's thoughts. And Luke's, I don't know if Luke was writing, I'm sure Luke was like, he's like had his notebook under the table. He's like, dude, I cannot miss. He couldn't take pictures on his iPhone. So he's like capturing every moment of just this, this experience, and Jesus doesn't address Simon directly. He just starts talking. And he just says, you know, let's say there's two guys. And uh, everybody's like, what is going on? And Jesus is going into story mode. Like This one guy, you know, he owes a guy like a million bucks. And another guy owes him like ten bucks. You know, big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody around the table is still looking over there like, this is weird. What's going? He keeps talking. He's like, what if the guy that both of these men owed came to them one day and said, you know what? You owe me a million bucks, right? Yes, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to pay it off. You know what? I'm feeling very generous today. It's near Thanksgiving. Just forget it. You don't owe me anything. After the guy's heart, you know, they use the, the defibrillator to wake him back up. He realizes, wow, my debt's been forgiven. He goes to the guy that owes him 10 bucks. Like, you know, you owe me 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I got four bucks now. Can I give you the rest of that? He's like, you know what? I'm feeling generous today. Forget it. Wow, thanks. I appreciate it. And Jesus just lets that linger for a minute. And he says, so let me ask you something, Simon. Who do you think is going to love more in that moment? Simon has to get on his religious answer, maybe his preacher voice, I don't know. He's like, well, Master, it's a great question. I assume the guy who is forgiven a great debt. And Jesus, at that moment, acknowledges the woman and said, yes, you have answered well, Simon. To whom much is forgiven, much love is returned. Pin drop. Right? Moment of complete clarity across the room. And then Jesus addresses this woman for the first time and says, You know what, dear? Your sins are forgiven. Wow. What a moment. What a moment. Jesus sums the whole thing up with that loaded question, right? Of course the guy who had the most to, to win from the forgiveness of his debt... He's going to be this guy. Like, I love that guy. You know, he just, I really love this guy. He's on my Christmas card list. I'm going to visit him on his birthday. I love that guy. Right? Because he just forgave him a great sum. For this woman, she had lived a life that was broken and shattered. She had no hope, no option, no alternative until she met Jesus. And that brokenness of gratitude just poured out. And then Jesus took it one step further from awkward to in your face. And he says, Simon, I don't know why you're giving this poor woman a hard time. You didn't wash my feet when I came into your house. You didn't give me any uh, special welcome. You just kind of let me be. But this woman, look what she is doing. And simple understanding, one and one is two. 
okay, I get it. She's got a huge thing that she's being forgiven of, and I'm a religious guy. I don't need much from you, God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. See what happens when people get all wrapped up in, in, their, in themselves and how awesome we think we are? But that's the great equalizer. When we realize that how much God has forgiven me for. And from that comes a heart of gratitude. And be careful. Because if we don't have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude... We begin to look through the eyes of Simon and we begin to judge and quantify people's approach. And we begin to judge and quantify how people act. And we begin to think, well, they should know better than to do that. And they should know better than behave in that way. Let me tell you something. You never know a person's story. And I have found in 45 years of living that when you start to find that someone's a little odd and then you start to look behind the curtain and you see where they came from and you realize their story, all of a sudden this part of me starts to change a little bit towards that person. Right? Does that make sense? So be careful how we judge and be careful how we treat people that come down to the front for prayer at the end of every service on Sunday. We don't know where they're coming from and what their story represents, but I do know someone that knows every single moment of that life, and it is the God that we're talking about today, the one that is willing to redeem and save you. I'm telling you, there's nothing more fascinating than people's stories. And February, you do not want to miss one Sunday in February at this church. It'll blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. Just go home and pull up the calendar, 2018, and circle every Sunday on February. And promise to yourself you're not going anywhere at 10 o'clock except right here. It's going to be amazing. Right? Because there is something powerful about people's stories. Salvation is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And thanksgiving, let me tell you why thanksgiving is important, because it comes from a place of indentured gratitude. When I begin to realize just how much God has done in my life, when I begin to realize just how much grace I live in every day, when I see someone whose life is shattered and wrecked And I look at my life. It doesn't make me feel like, wow, I'm a lot better than they are. It makes me realize how great God is in my life. It makes me realize. However, if I'm not careful, it is easy to get the attitude that Simon had and say, well, clearly that person made a bunch of bad choices and they kind of deserve what they're getting. No. Because if I deserved what I should have received, I would not be where I am today. And I don't think there's anybody in this room. I cannot tell you enough. Let Thanksgiving be a part of who you are. Because when you see people that act out, when you see people that are miserable, when you see people that are angry, when you see people that are, that are just locked in chains of addiction and vices, instead of looking down on them, let God do something in your heart to change your view and realize, man, there's a heart that's broken that needs the Savior that I understand and know. That's why we exist, so that people can know Christ. Amen. Amen. Worship team, you guys can come. I got to say, there's a lot of people in this, in this community that understand this. 
We got people upstairs watching kids today, teaching kids. I'm thankful that they're doing that, pouring into kids. Our worship team's going to come up here and they're going to sing. I'm thankful that they do that. That comes from a place of thanksgiving when we realize that he's done so much in my life. I want to give back in some way. I want to make myself uh, an instrument in God's hands because out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving, flows a heart of generosity. Flows a heart of generosity. I want to read a passage of scripture from the Message Bible, and I picked this version because of the way it crafts the words. But I want you to listen and read on the screen as I read this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in His kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, they don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. And here's where I want you to get this. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. But since then, since then, since when? Since meeting Jesus Christ. Since coming to a place where you realize that there is a God and it isn't you. When you come to that moment that we talked about this a couple weeks ago about conversion, that experience, that moment when you encounter Christ. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, His Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you know Jesus, you're blessed. Regardless of your past life circumstances, regardless of the sinful behavior you practiced, regardless of broken relationship in your life, regardless of the abuse you may have experienced or you may have inflicted, regardless of sickness and failures, there is a God that was willing to absorb all of that so that you could be free. It shouldn't be hard for Christians to live thanksgiving kind of lifestyle. Right? If things aren't going your way, take a moment and stop and realize where you were, what you were, and what you are now. And that should generate that little gratitude engine inside your heart as it starts pumping again. And you realize, wow, if it wasn't for the grace of God. Let me tell you this. In Christ, there is always enough mercy. There's always enough grace. There's always enough strength. There's always enough forgiveness. There is always enough love. There is always enough. There is always enough. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how broken down you may be. There is always enough. And that is why we are here. Because there's somebody that does not yet know that there is enough. And they don't know that Jesus is that enough. But every week we're here opening the doors, talking to people throughout the week, letting somebody know, hey, I care about you. My life is filled with gratitude because where I used to be is not where I am today. It's our moment to give back. 
Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read it again. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. David wrote it this way, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming soon, the actual day. And I encourage you, when you sit at your table, whatever may be on that table, it may be a feast, it may be some spam, I don't know. But whatever is on that table is just a small representation of something much greater that's happened in here. And I don't know a Christian that should ever be able to say, I have nothing to be thankful for. Are you with me? Are you with me? And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you don't need to leave because I would be happy to introduce you to the one that can change your life. I want you to experience Colossians 2.14. Having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness which stood against you and condemned you, he has taken it away by nailing it on the cross. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. And that is why we are here. That's why we do what we do. Because of the mercy that Christ extended us.